So welcome. It's great to be having this guest on. Um, and do check us out every week, every Wednesday, we'll be releasing new episodes of women, just everyday women, just like me and you, um, hearing their stories, hearing their journey, and just having real, real conversations. So please check us out every week uh, from 8pm on Wednesday uh, for women working well, uh, real talk. Let's get straight into it and introduce our first guest. So welcome, welcome to Women Working Well Real Talk, your host, Asim Henshaw. I'm so happy to have my eighth guest to the show. It's the lovely Gloria Aguilera. Good morning, good afternoon, Gloria. How are you? Good afternoon. <laughs> I'm very honored to be here as well. Thanks so much, Adim. No, and it's I'm great doing to have you. All right. It's great to have you. And just for our listeners, you're not tuning in from a, a UK location. Do you want to share with us where you're actually tuning in from? So I am currently in Pemba, Cabo Delgado, Mozambique. Fantastic. So you are our first. Actually, no, no, Salah, you are our second international guest. Uh, I had someone on the, on the on the series from Nigeria speak direct to us, and I'm excited to have another one. So it's good. <laughs> so something that I like to always kick off with all my guests is to ask, how many hats do you wear? <laughs> well, I guess we all wear many hats, right? Um, so I am a daughter, sister, auntie, <laughs> and uh, I am a humanitarian worker. I am a Christian. Um, I am a student as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's more or less all. Great. That's five hats, Gloria. So yeah. just on your day-to-day, how do you maneuver through these five hats? Are they are you always on or do they come in phases and seasons? How do you just kind of navigate those five hats that you wear? Well, I get the first ones because it's like family related. Um and I'm away from home, <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> really wearing those hats. I, I guess the daughter one, yes, because I talk to my parents like quite well, a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, well, also with my brother and with my nephews. But yeah, it's a bit different in the distance, uh, as I'm you just, can imagine. Just, and, and just for our listeners, where is home? Home is in Spain. Uh, fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> so my parents and my family is in. Part of my family is in Spain. The other part is in Chile. My parents are from Chile. Oh, fantastic. So we are all, all over the world. <laughs> that was good. It's good. So I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are dying to know a bit more about Gloria. So please do tell us a bit about yourself, uh, what you do, uh, how long you've been doing it, and what are some of the things you love about what you do? So as I say, I'm a humanitarian worker. I um, currently at the head of emergency programs here in Cabo Delgado for an Italian organization uh, that does mainly health work. Uh, So we basically run some projects to support the government uh, to respond to the days and um, like um, violent crisis at the moment in Cabo Delgado and has created like a lot of movement of people. So many IGPs all around the province and we are trying to support the government to ensure that there is basic health care for all of them and the population that was already um, served with a kind of weak um, uh, health system 
I've been doing this job not uh, that long. I think I started in 2017 uh, working in London, and it's when we met, <laughs> actually. Well, <Yes>. uh, so <laughs> I joined an international NGO in their affiliate office in London, and I worked for them for an, about a year, I think. And then I moved to South Sudan for a couple of years, and then I am here. And what I love most, um, I would say mm, this job, being in the field, is great. Yeah. I could not do this job from a, you know, from a headquarters um, position, I think. Uh, so being in contact with the people and seeing the impact of the projects on the ground, uh, I think is what I love most. Oh, great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure um, people just want to know, you know, how you got into the to the international development sector. So just do share with us, if you may, just your journey into it. I know you did touch, said that you've, you've, you've um, you, it's been a few years that you've been in the NGO, you've been working in the field, but just how was your, I guess, your journey from leaving school up to where you are right now? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so I was working in the private sector at the beginning. I finished my degree in Italy and I worked there for some years. And I did a postgraduate in international cooperation and humanitarian aid. And uh, then I realized that I, I needed to speak English <laughs> if I wanted to work in the sector. So I just uh, packed my stuff and moved to London to do a, a kind of intensive English course. And I look for opportunities like volunteer opportunities. And I started with this uh, NGO that gave me my first job as a volunteer for three months. Um, everybody can maybe think that, ah, volunteering, you have to have money. That's not true. I was volunteering in the morning and working in a restaurant in the evening. So <laughs> I was still paying my bills in London that are very expensive. Um, so I just started volunteering and I guess, um, we just liked each other at the office. And then when it was a, a vacancy, like a job opportunity, I was considered for that. And I, yeah, and I, I got in. <laughs> Great. So would you say volunteering was, was, was a big, I guess, fit in into this industry, would you say? For those who are perhaps looking to get into NGO um, industry, what would be some of the gui um, guidance, recommendations that you would suggest or top tips rather of people getting into this industry? Well, I think volunteering is a big, uh, like it can give you a big opportunity to be known by an organization. Um, but I also think normally the positions, especially in the field, uh, they require for postgraduate degrees. Oh, wow. So I think um, it's really important also to try to study something more. And languages are also quite valued. So English, French, it depends if you are work, like planning to work for UN, English, French, Spanish, those are the three languages that if you speak, if you are able to speak at least two is much better. Uh, and then, yeah, have some postgraduate um, in the field. Uh, I don't know, international development or international relations or something like that. Uh, humanitarian, yeah, postgraduate. And also look for opportunities. I mean, applying for a job maybe with no experience is a bit difficult, but if you if you have the opportunity to 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 get to volunteer in an international NGO, I think it's it's a first step, a first good step. Great, thank you for sharing this. And I'm just, con I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit curious as to find out um, 
what would you say some of the challenges have been? And I'm just wondering, particularly perhaps challenges around language, because you, you said that you you studied in Italy and you're originally not from Italy. So I assume that you have to now learn Italian and then leave in Italy now coming to London. So I'm just wondering if you can speak to us a bit more about just some of the uh, challenges that you have to overcome around languages. Yeah, and I think, well, language is just like uh, one of the aspects that, like one of the challenges that you need to overcome when you change country, I guess. Yeah. Because every time that you change is, okay, the language, but it's new culture, new people, new house, new, where is the nearest supermarket? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like every single thing is new and you need to start from scratch sometimes if you don't have family or somebody who can hold you or give you a hand at the beginning. So yeah, language is uh, it's been um, something always to overcome, to be more independent and to be able to work. That's why I started doing the the, the, uh, the English schools, uh, course in London and I was working at Takeaway, just trying to practice some English, talking to clients and things like that. <laughs> so but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun anyway. Oh, great, thank you. Um, and what would you say uh, some of the lessons um, that you've had along the way? And um, if there are any lessons along the way that you perhaps would like to share with some of our listeners? Hmm. And think back to some of the hats that you wear. You, you said at the beginning of the chat that you, you wear five hats. I'm just wondering, not just, it doesn't have to always be exclusive to work, but I'm just wondering, just in life generally, um, have there yeah. been any uh, lessons that you've gleaned from and any other challenges that you perhaps would like to share with us? Yeah, I guess um, as part of the challenges, um, you know, changing place is difficult sometimes for all the reasons that I say, but it's also sometimes you can feel a bit lonely because you are not, you are not able to um, make roots anywhere. So you make friends and you know, you know, people, but then you move again and then you start again knowing people and then you move again. <laughs> so it's, um, it's not always also easy maintain like friendships, you know, in the dis- with like the distance. Um, and as lessons, well, there are so many. <laughs> from, Tell us a few. <laughs> <laughs> from we, I, you realize. I think the first thing is that you realize when you move to a field location. And my first one was South Sudan, which was quite tough. It's like okay, I kind of need like nothing of the things that I have <laughs> so what I need really fits in a not even a suitcase a backpack wow. you know? so you just value everything much more you know like cold water and um, having a toilet <laughs> or I don't know having like different clothes to wear and yeah just many things family friends uh, freedom so you don't have yeah. to live inside a, a compound and, and with a, curf- a curfew and all those things. Um, so those, uh, that has been like a big, big lesson at the beginning. And also, I guess, uh, more related with uh, recent years or maybe months is, um, I think, um, and this is like a kind of a life lesson, I guess, um, it's, it's quite important to uh, follow what you really want to do mm. and just make steps towards it you know like make a plan and what are the things that I need to get there and really don't stop you know so being consistent even if the things don't work at the beginning so it's not just thinking about something and thinking about something and 
as a believer, I also think and pray about the decisions that I want to take and where I want to go and, you know, the steps that I need to take. But at some point also it's, it's important to be courageous and take action. So you cannot just be thinking and planning. Sometimes means I need to move from this country or I need to leave this job because this is not exactly what I want. Yeah. Um, so I think you can only be great at doing something if you love what you do. Mm-hmm. So you can just keep doing whatever you don't like doing. <laughs> I know that it, maybe for me it's easier. Maybe some people is listening there well because you don't have a family, you know, you don't have children. And I know that uh, like the responsibilities that I, my hearts are different than other people probably. But um, we all can, I guess, try for uh do what we really love and you need a plan (laughs) and just make a step you know like change of careers i think it's something that happens more and more at the time um and just take decisions sometimes you know it's that you don't want to be full of regrets right (laughs) at some point of your life ah i wish i tried this i wish i tried this one just try it I'm just wondering what made you want to embark on this career of uh, working in the field, um, being an international development worker. What what was it that you know? Because you, you said that you started in the private sector. So what was the the, the turnaround that made you want to um, change careers and then follow your passions and, and work in the, out in the field? Yeah. So when I was working in the private sector in Italy, I I was doing all right actually quite a comfortable life uh, but when I did that that postgraduate international cooperation I uh, realized that that was what I wanted to do <laughs> so I was looking at my job and I was wondering like why I'm doing this um, but I realized that you know the English barrier um, and that I was not in the position in that job to follow the steps that I, that I needed to get a job in the you know in the sector so I really wanted to try. I, I was not like completely, uh, okay, I just give up my job and everything. I just asked for a sabbatical with the assurance that, okay, I can come back to my job if it doesn't work. So I give myself a year in London. Let's see how the things work, but I will look for all the opportunities that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I really went to, that is what I like it, what I like it most, I guess. So I. I say, okay, let me just give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> At least for one year. If it works, fine. If it doesn't work, I will just come back to my job. <laughs> yeah, great. No, thank you for sharing that. And what would you say, like, some of the, what would you say are some of the things that just gives you energy, that keeps you motivated, that drives you, that feeds you? What would be some of those things that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think the things that motivate me, uh, I'm, 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 I'm getting a bit concerned about them because <laughs> I think the things that motivate me is always related, are always related with the change. You know, I like changing. Me too. I like being challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, like um, when I arrive to a place and everything is difficult, I enjoy it. But when I, I'm comfortable already and I know what I need to do and I know everything, I just feel like, okay, what's next? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess out of my comfort zone is when, when I feel kind of better. I don't know. It's a bit strange, but wow. yeah. Great. And what would you say, uh, 10, 20 or 30 years online, what does the future look like to you? What would you say is the end goal or what would what would success look like to you uh, 
particularly in the, in the industry that you work for, in the sector that you work for? Well, in a way, I think success is, I mean, what I say before, that you do what you like mm. um, and you can earn for living, right? Because sometimes you can do what you like, but you can't you make can't money out of it. So that's important, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I... I really would like to, in the future, to be able to make an impact at the, maybe at the more like a policy level. So I think now I'm working in a very operational uh, setting. So we are really like running the projects on the ground. And even if I have progressed from office manager, project manager, I'm doing some coordination now, but uh, we're still on the ground. Which is great, and I think you have to have this background to understand how the things uh, happen uh, on the ground. But in the future, maybe I would like to be in a position where I can, in a way, influence the uh, yeah the policies that uh, regulate, in a way, the the operational work of of humanitarian aid, uh, because there are so many things that can probably. Uh, be improved or challenged or review or but at, at the level that I am right now you are more than an implementer so you just do whatever is being <laughs> decided somewhere else um, and you need to follow some rules that are already established but I think it's important to always look critically at those things and um, I think that the studies that I'm doing right now are more like helping me to reflect more on those things and um, yeah I guess that is what I would like to be yeah in a few years maybe nice and just as a woman in in the industry um are, are there many um, women that dominate this industry would you say or on the field uh doing what you do well i think in um international organizations there are quite a lot of women at the moment mm-hmm. uh, maybe if you go like a like a higher level um no, maybe CEOs are mostly men. I cannot tell. Uh, they are not here with us. <laughs> they are sitting somewhere else. But <laughs> at least at, that, at this level of operational, uh, there are quite a lot of women. Oh, great. Um, what you can see is that nationally, because we, we work with, with national staff, of course, and normally there is more national staff than international staff. You can be one international in, in a whole team, right? And those are mostly men. Why? Because especially in these countries, opportunities for, for women are really reduced. So they are mostly, you know, like they stay at home, they, they make children, they, they don't even have an education maybe. And even if you, if you are trying to recruit women, sometimes it's, it's really challenging to, to find uh, women that are, have at least the level of literacy that is needed for, for very basic jobs, which is quite, you know, um, sad to see, uh, but it's, it's a reality in many countries. And you mentioned just um, in terms of your own goal, what success looks like, you want to really get into policy and do a lot of policy work. So I'm interested to know what the next step is for you. So you've mentioned that you've literally gone from Spain to Italy, to London, to South Sudan, to Mozambique. I'm curious to find out where would be your next step and 
perhaps do you pick your locations intentionally based on the role or are you very open to see how you know just what, what opportunities presented themselves i mean what would be your what your next move uh, would you say I'm always intentional when I pick the job. <laughs> um, and why is that, would you say? Because, because of what I said, you know, I have a goal and I know more or less the roles that I need to recover first. Hmm. Um, so I guess I will uh, still be in the field for the next years. I think getting a good uh, experience in the field, at least five years, five, seven, I think is the is the best um this is my first like kind of a uh, holiday location as well <laughs> <laughs> with uh, south sudan but i'm i'm happy to keep trying uh conflict zones um and yeah i mean i normally as i said um when I when I feel comfortable in a role, or maybe that I'm not really learning that much anymore, and um, and it's not a challenge anymore, I always like I start thinking about what's next. So, yeah, I, mean, I could think you I would find yourself in around. London? Is that what could that be a possibility? <laughs> Affecting well, policy in a, in a London location, <laughs> but not in a short term. <laughs> I mean, no, right now, in the future, I would love to come back to UK. I love the UK. I love, I miss London a lot, actually. <laughs> All the, yeah, you know. I mean, you can have whatever you want in London. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful as a city as well. I know that this time is not the best to live in London, but my my view, I mean, my, um, the way I remember London was the way when, like, COVID was not there. <laughs> so yes. We were free to go wherever we went yes. to and everything. Yes. So, oh, great. But yeah, you never know. I'm open to everything. I mean, I'm not saying now I want to come back to Spain or oh, no, no. Whatever. Great. Yeah. And I guess my final question for you is what would you say you you would like your legacy to be? How would you like to be remembered? Mm, something that is more a wish. <laughs> and something that maybe is more real. The wish is I would like to be remembered as somebody who's consistent, mm. which I think is the most difficult thing in life, right? I would love to do what I say, <laughs> but like consistently. <laughs> um, so that I, yeah, I would like to be remembered that, like in that way. And another way that I, I think it's more real at the moment is um, I remember actually when we were in Sarsadam, we used to do some uh, devotions in the morning and one day we were uh, like taking a name of somebody who was on your right, I don't know how it uh, was exactly, but you, you, you took a name of one of your colleagues and uh, um, you just made like a kind of uh, drawing of that person and then you pass it to everybody and everybody will write something about you and then they will give it to you. And I was really curious, like, what are they going to say about me? And it was every, like, almost every comment about that, because I'm always laughing and I'm always smiling. So they will always say like, oh, you know, like you bring joy to the house and you're always like kind of joking and making jokes. 
and make your latte instead of pasta. So that was a really nice thing. I thought, you know, sometimes we really need somebody who can just smile, smile at us, yeah. or just laugh at me. Don't just, you know, I don't know, just have some joy. <laughs> sometimes we really, you know, I know that the times are difficult. Um, so how has the, the pandemic world. been for you guys, and just where you, you have, where you're located right now? Has has it affected your program work in any way? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic started when I was in South Sudan, and we had a like a severe lockdown, and um, so we spent many months inside the building, mm. and then, well, I went home, and now I'm here, and here, you know, the problems now are are, are bigger than COVID here. So, of course, there are some things that you need to do differently. If you're doing a training or some community work, you cannot gather people. <laughs> so how do you do it? You know, like That means like more, you know, more bigger locations, more money also to organize training with separated groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, access sometimes is a problem. This is stigma also of the... Sometimes is the Western people who brought the COVID. You know, sometimes in the communities, um, it can be like felt that way. Mm-hmm. So you need to really understand the context before you just jumping in. And yeah. yeah, I mean, there are so many things that COVID has changed also in this sector. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Imagine. And I said that. Traveling I- home also. <laughs> Yeah. If you want to go home and see your family and you have quarantine, so you have to do COVID and yeah, 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 tests. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, the whole COVID pandemic has been a challenging year for all of us, to be honest. And I think particularly uh, the countries that haven't got as much resources as Western countries are, are definitely um most impacted so uh, thanks for sharing that a bit i know you obviously can't share too much because of, of the nature of the role that you do but um thanks for giving us a bit of yeah. insight into that um okay this is gonna be my final question i'm interested to know a bit more about how, how your faith plays a part in all of the hats that gloria wears and in your role as a Development. Well, I think it plays a key role in that consistency that I was uh, mentioning before. Uh, and also when I say that you plan and then you take action, right? So it's part of it all. <laughs> but I guess when faith, uh, when God has a role in your life, um, you know, it's not just about planning and taking decisions like uh, anybody else, you know. Um, there is a time of reflecting and praying and seeing also if um, God is driving you to this next season. Uh, because I believe he really prepares you for the next season. So you don't want to arrive too early that you are not ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's such a, it requires such a wisdom that is no human wisdom, I think, to to know when you need to wait, um, which uh, which kind of uh, attitude you have while waiting, <laughs> and when is the time to say, okay, now I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And you just take it with that step of faith in a way, right? Because sometimes it's, you go to the uncertain. I, 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 in my case, I, I've never, not in every case, I, I made the next step knowing or having the, you know, the security of, 
success or, you know, okay, I, I leave this job, but I have another one. Sometimes it was not the case, but uh, that is also part of faith. You know, I, I knew that that provision will come. And so I think it plays a, a, a huge role in all the process of all the hats that I wear. You know, it's like a, a kind of cross-cutting <laughs> uh, yeah, um, thing in, in my life. And I think when you, when you see the things that you have to see in these parts of the world, sometimes I, I don't really know how people without faith make it, you know, without just thinking um, because uh, it's really hopeless sometimes. It feels really hopeless. Um, it feels really unjust and you kind of have uh, like have many questions, you know, like why is, are these things happening? So I think it, it supports also, um, support me also to, in my day to day, yeah, mm. also to face this, uh, this kind of situation. sharing all of this with us Gloria I think we've come to the end of our time but um, it's just been mm. so wonderful to have you on the call and I think it's just given our listeners a, a real walk through uh, NGO life particularly field life and um, you know just I think it just it has allowed us to really understand uh, just what a typical day <laughs> as an international worker development worker is so so thank you for sharing that and uh, for uh, sharing your faith with us as well thank you thank you actually yeah i was really really happy to participate and i was listening also to other podcasts and it's it's really encouraging actually (laughs) of course (laughs) when when you when you mention about it okay i need to listen (laughs) what is this about (laughs) but yeah it's really um it's really encouraging you know like to to hear about other people and yes it's such a different you know like um environments most of the times uh but we have things in common uh you find inspiring uh stories as well yeah um, and it's fun because everybody yeah. has their journey everybody has a story exactly and i think it's really good just to unpack that a bit because i don't think we do enough of sharing yeah. with one another as women yeah so thanks for the initiative i know you have a busy life uh, i was talking you uh, <laughs> that's why i was asking you okay where do you find the time to <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thank you thank you for, for giving voice to everybody uh, you know my people <laughs> lovely to have you on uh, speak to you soon take care thank you thank you Bye. take care and for those who would like to get in touch with us please do reach out to us we're currently on instagram and facebook our instagram handle is at www.realtalk and our facebook handle is women working well uh, so do search us um, we'd love to hear from you do comment like share share again to your networks um, we do want to hear from you so until next time this is your host Aston Henshaw and we're signing out from women working well have a great rest of the week take care